is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Jeremy, I feel like you should talk first. I feel like I always talk first. I okay, I'm talking first. I'm I'm excited. We have it's our last uh it's our last uh one of uh, of these series of podcasts about discipleship and it's the last one in our series that was tracking with our ebooks that have done really well. Uh we've had a ton of downloads and and I think that's because they're they're just really helpful. Um, I agree. Like we we have crossed the several thousand download mark on the crash courses for youth ministry, which is really pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite things about that is uh, like they give you really really good foundational pieces for building a youth ministry. Yeah. Um, and that you can sort of you know read them today, put them into practice tomorrow, and you know it's a little bit bittersweet that we're finally at the end of you know, that conversation that we've had related to those 10 different uh, resources that we put out there. But it's a good way to end today because we're talking discipleship. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's a, it's interesting. I'll tell you that just to those eBooks, it's one of those things that I feel like I can instantly recommend, right? It's, it's an easy, like somebody says, I'm budgeting. I, I don't know what's going on with budgeting and uh, uh you, you know that I, i've got i go here just go get this ebook real quick <laughs> i should say uh, that the the three most downloaded to this point are the youth ministry essentials of uh fundraising fundraising yes recruiting volunteers right and keeping volunteers right <laughs> and then the no other surprises there second place but yeah no surprises there for sure yeah um, so the discipleship conversation here, I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit deeper, right, into mm-hmm. why we do what we do in terms of youth ministry. Um, right. I don't think anyone gets into youth ministry because uh, they don't want to see growth or change, right? It, it's not right. like people work with adolescents because adolescents stay the same and are totally static <laughs> and never dynamic, right? Right. They're um, instantly disappointed if that is the case. Exactly. And they don't last very long either. <laughs> um, but right. getting into youth ministry, right? It means uh, dynamic change. It means growth and discipleship and having some intentionality behind that is honestly really, really important in the long run um, mm-hmm. for making meaningful connections uh, with youth, uh, connecting youth and their faith life, whether that's with uh, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, or with the church and the congregation that they're a part of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're kind of wrapping it up today with a couple of different, really, really specific talking points related to um, ways to understand discipleship that meet your mission and your vision and your values, yep. uh, as well as four discipleship behaviors that undergird absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the the first three ways to understand discipleship as a way to meet your mission, vision, and values, Jeremy, I do want to ask you a question. Oh, go um, for it. An observation that we made in the discipleship crash course is uh, the encouragement for youth workers to remember that they are disciples as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and often, sometimes we put our our own spiritual growth on the back burner or our yep. own spiritual experiences on the back burner because we're always in charge of things. Yes. Uh, so, just how have you kind of supported your own growth as a disciple, even though you're in charge of a tremendous amount of things at church? You know, that's a, I think that's a really important question. And for me, it's 
sort of varied over the years. Um, I can say that I, when I first started in youth ministry, um, I didn't have kids, right? I was not in school. I had a lot of time. Um, and somebody, I, I was somewhere and somebody said, well, you, you can't um, grow in your own faith if you uh, aren't doing all of your own Bible study, this in all of your own, all these things that are in no way related to your job. And, um, and I did that for a while. Um, but eventually there's just not enough hours in the day for everything. Yeah. And, and I then heard, you know, was it another place where, um, somebody said, you know, if, if you can't learn how to feed yourself as while you're doing the things for your job, mm-hmm. um, you will burn out because, uh, you know, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work right uh, to, to do it the other way. And, and hearing that was so helpful because, you know, I, I really do enjoy a lot of the things that I do um, and get spiritual nourishment from, you know, preparing a Bible study or preparing a lesson or, or, you know, all the other things going on a mission trip that you're organizing. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and so that's been a big thing, making that transition and being okay with that. Uh, do I also read things when I'm not here or engaged with spirituality when I'm not at work? Yeah, absolutely. But, but learning how to really get that from this, uh, from, you know, from the things that I'm doing spiritually is a, is a big part of that. Um, <clears throat> And then I think the other piece uh, that has been really important for me has been um, uh, counseling and therapy. Yeah. Um, that uh, that has helped me process all kinds of of things that have happened to me over the years, uh, connected and disconnected from church, and um, and, and those uh, those things are. Are important, right? To to heal and to become whole and allow God to use, you know, just like God might use penicillin to help me get better from an infection, um, a therapist to help me heal uh, emotionally and, and psychologically. That's been a huge part of it too. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for sharing because that that is one piece when we talk about burnout or we talk about people that haven't laid down a really great foundation for youth ministry. Um, I know we talk about it in the self-care and Sabbath crash course a little bit, uh, but discipleship is part of that too, right? Like you have to have your, you have to have your own spiritual practices figure out so that um, you keep kind of getting filled with that living water and and you're not trying to pour from an empty cup because that's a recipe for, oh my gosh, disaster pretty quick. What about you, Chris? Uh, you know what? The best thing that I have done over the course of time, uh, and it took me a little while to figure this out, honestly, um, is staying connected with mentors. Um, mm, yeah, being able to have relationships or uh, uh, you know friendships and and the ability to do Zoom meetings or go out for a coffee or any other kind of beverage um, that might be a little bit more grown up, like an adult, like a like a milkshake. <laughs> that's so much higher in calories. Um, but having the opportunity to uh, be in a place with someone who's been where I am now, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that's gotten a little bit harder, um, I guess, as I've gotten older, right? Um, where uh, I'm, I'm looking for mentors and looking for those meaningful um, sort of mentoring connections. Um, mm-hmm. Because it is one thing to be able to offer mentoring, you know, like from us to someone else, right? There's there's plenty of younger people in youth ministry or in ministry that um, I think are looking for the same kind of connections. But at least for me, as I've hit middle middle kind of age or I'm in my 40s, um, man, it's so valuable being able to sit down with somebody in their 50s and in their 60s um, to help just chew on spiritual stuff um, in a way that I could not do on my own, if that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's helpful. Yeah. So with that in our back pocket, um, all right, the, the meat of our conversation today. Yes. Uh, in our discipleship crash course, we we spend a little bit of time talking about three different ways to understand discipleship as a way of meeting your mission, your vision, and your values in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, the odds are you're at a church that has some kind of mission statement or has some kind of vision statement about the kind of church they would like to be. And hopefully your youth ministry shares some kind of language in common <laughs> with your church yes. about what you're saying uh, your youth ministry does or why your youth ministry exists in the first place. Right, um, right. Related to discipleship, and uh, we can definitely just kind of bounce these back and forth for sure, right? One one that I really encourage churches to be able to do in some way and to include in their vision and values um, is to be able to recognize and celebrate spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, young people in the cultures that often we're serving in today um, have a really gray line about when they become an adult, right? Yep. Um, and it's doubly so within the church because any kind of milestones or pathways or spiritual markers that are in place aren't necessarily age related. Um, and they're really few and far between, right? Like right. Um, there certainly is baptism. There certainly is confirmation. Um, but outside of those two things, like, if you don't know how your church recognizes somebody who is spiritually mature or acting in a way that a disciple at your church, your church leadership would like to have them act, um, that's a real missed opportunity. And I think a, a real yeah. opportunity for growth. Have you seen that done well, Chris? Oh, I could not take very long to answer that question because I haven't seen it done well very often. <laughs> um I will be honest with you, though, and, and say that there's a, a couple of churches that I've talked with that um, the language that they used almost was like handoff moments hmm. um, where, you know, if it's if it's a church that has been staffed for here's the children's ministry stuff. And now here's the tweens stuff. Here's the middle school. Here's the high school mm-hmm. um, that there's been a ton of intentionality um, about a, a welcoming as somebody moves up. Um, right. into sort of that next phase of discipleship or that next area of programming or staff or volunteer responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that with high school graduations. Yeah. Where there have been, you know, like really intentionally well done senior Sundays mm-hmm. um, or meals, right? Where it's it's not on a Sunday, but maybe it it's the week or two before graduations where, um the volunteers and people have, that have kind of poured into those young people get together and have the chance to share stories and pictures um, and talk about launching them into the next thing. Um, I know that there's churches that consider their youth ministry all the way up through the 13th grade, um, right. where uh, you know high school graduation is a thing, but then there's a ton of intentionality about paying attention to how they grow and change and what their needs look like when they're freshmen in college or getting yep. their first jobs or those kinds of things. 
Um, the other places that I've really seen it are when churches aren't afraid to put young people into leadership positions. Um, and, and I don't mean just like token, have a young person on the administrative council, or if your church right. is a one board council kind of a thing, um, but really open up some leadership opportunities for young people and then recognize when they bring a perspective that adults in the room could not have brought without them. Yeah. 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 No, that's huge. Yeah. That's a big one for me. Um, all right. Second one on our list is demonstrating the great commandment. Um, for people that might not be familiar with the great commandment, um, yep. it basically has two parts, right? Um, Jesus is being asked about how to show love, uh, like what, what, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Right. And Jesus's right. response is you better show your love for God and you better show your love for neighbor. Um, yes. and doing those, the two things combined kind of is the great commandment. Um, yep. and I've got a strong opinion that discipleship should involve youth and anybody in your church being able to live out the great commandment, right? Um, yep. being able to show their love for God, love for neighbor. Um, are there some really meaningful ways that you have seen that happen, uh, in church settings where you've been Jeremy? Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that piece of loving God, um, and loving others is, has, was really a, a calling card of our, of, of the a church that I worked at in the past. Eventually we sort of developed our, our tagline or you know, mission statement, what, whatever you, you want to call it, but it was love God, love people, change the world. And, and it was helpful when we named it like that. And we had t-shirts with that on it. Um, you know, people got really, uh, really clear on what we did. Yeah. Right. It's simple. It's easy to remember. It's easy to sign on to. Right. And so then when we talked about loving God, we, we would talk about, um, the ways in which we grow closer to God in worship. And, you know, we, we sort of did, um, uh, prayers, presence, gifts, service, uh, or, or gifts and um, uh, and witness in that and loving others. We talked about service and uh, we would we would spend a little bit of time talking about being public Christians mm. um, and what it meant to not sort of hide that, but not be not feel like you you needed to be on a street corner with a bullhorn either. Um, so, so being a public Christian was not about like weaponizing Christianity or weaponizing faith, right. right? It was more about being consistent with here's what we believe and here's what we do with it. And here's why we're doing it. Yeah. And, and also though, it, it was a, it was a way of thinking about um, sharing your faith or, or evangelism where, um, where if, if faith is an important part of your life, then it should be something that you casually talk about, right? You don't have to have a moment where you bring all everybody, all of your friends into a conference room and lock the door, right? But uh, at a Monday morning at work, uh, somebody asking you how your day, how your weekend was, say, oh man, we had a lot of fun at my church. We had a special event or like, I really, I, my pastor said something this yesterday that, that has been sticking with me, right? Where mm -hmm. it's just 
part of part of the way that just like you would if you saw if you had a great experience at a concert or or a sporting event you would mention something um to just make it part of your life uh so yeah that's we we would talk about those pieces of the of the great commandment uh, uh and um and it was really helpful especially naming that right i think yeah constantly talking about love god love others and we added change the world mm-hmm. um that that was so so helpful um and then you know the other thing that i think is in the the crash course that is really important is this idea of practicing theology um chris what do you mean when you say practicing theology um i'm going to be fascinated to compare answers on this because <laughs> uh i'm a lay person right? Uh, with, right which means that i have not gone to seminary um and i have some theological background on things right but i i have not gone through sort of that formal process of getting a master's of divinity or anything like that um but the way that we write write about it and talk about it in the crash course when I say practice theology, um, I sort of mean two things. Um, the first is that I think it's really important um, to practice things that you want to get better at. Um, one of the reasons that we're awful about talking about religion and politics is because there's this like longstanding saying that we don't talk about those things over dinner, yes, right? We don't and talk about Bruno. No, you absolutely do not talk about Bruno. And then you <laughs> sing a five minute song about him. Um <laughs> But if you don't practice it, you're never going to get good at it, right? Yeah. Uh, and right. so theology simply means like studying God, right? Yeah. The, the paying attention to God. And so the more you practice paying attention to God and the more you practice mm-hmm. um, staying in touch with God and learning about God, the more you're going to know, the better you're going to get um, right. at knowing what you believe and why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily, I mean... Um, give youth opportunities to practice what they believe um, and reflect on it because that's how growth and transformation happens. Um, If you let Google do an autofill about, you know, Christians, probably one of the first five hits is going to be why are Christians so hypocritical, right? Right. Why do they think or say one thing and then do another? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you have the opportunity to practice theology for young people, at least in in my experience, it really gives them an opportunity to, to clear that hurdle of being hypocritical because you as the leader have provided them opportunities to practice what is preached, right. To, to figure out, Oh my gosh, um, we do need to be able to show love and care for our neighbors. And here are some people in my community. They're hurting right now. Um, what I could do is I can do a food driver. I can do a school supply driver. I can do those Mm -hmm. kinds of things allow you to practice and reflect on what you learned because of what you've learned about God. Yeah. Uh, how would you answer that question if I said practice theology or practical theology? I think I, I think I would say very much the same thing. Um, and then I'd also add that um, when we do youth ministry, we need to think theologically about that. And we've talked about that uh, before, but the idea that uh, our our way of understanding God and our way of understanding uh, Christianity should match with what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't mean that in a weird, like w- way. I, I mean, you know, if, if we 
say that God loves everybody, right? We shouldn't be doing things that communicate otherwise in mm -hmm. our ministry, mm -hmm. right? And there's, there's a number of different examples of it, but, you know, even down to like games, right? If, if the way that we are, if, if our sort of culture around games is like not loving <laughs> and people, competition can be fun, right? And great and hilarious, but it can also take a turn in some places and some youth groups and be hurtful. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, then we're not practicing our theology. Right. Um, and so I, I think that I think that exactly what you said, and then to just zoom out one step further and say, okay, now what we're doing, does this also uh does this also do that? It's this uh in when you're talking about uh curriculum, writing curriculum, mm. uh, there's this idea of um of the 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 mode of teaching like what you how you are teaching it subject is also teaching something about the subject mm -hmm. right so if for example the only time that people get to engage with uh with 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 god is sitting down and listening passively to somebody else speak uh that communicates something about god just that format Mm -hmm. Right. And so th that level of like critical thinking about what we're doing and, and what is what is what does what we are doing communicate about God outside of the actual words and teachings. Right. Sure. Uh, an example that actually you're you just made me think of, and it was related to the games piece. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with a, a large group of youth leaders from some different churches, and we got into a conversation about what are the best games, right? Like what mm -hmm. are the best games that you all have to engage your groups together? Uh, and as the conversation went on, we got into games that are a little bit messy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or might involve food. Um, right. And there are a ton of incredibly fun, messy games that involve food yep. uh, or uh, plastic utensils or paper plates or those kinds of things. Um, and one person, as we were having that conversation kind of stood up and said, Hey, I'm a little nervous to be able to share this, but in our context, we put a lot of focus on sustainability uh, and food justice issues, and um, we avoid any games that have to that that would create waste, right? Like we we avoid games that would create um, single use plastics or waste food that could otherwise be provided to like a food um, food ministry of some kind. Right. Um, and that was her being able to say, listen, no, we're, we're practicing our theology and kind of taking that step back to say the way that we play communicates the things that are important in our community, which I think yeah. is hugely important as well. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's kind of go from that larger group, big picture stuff, maybe to a little bit more focused um, individual pattern of behavior that might influence discipleship. Um, the last thing that we want to make sure to be able to share is this pattern of um, four things that really undergird everything about discipleship. Uh, and, and this pattern is something that arose out of uh, John Wesley's sort of holy club experiences and mm -hmm. the creation of uh, ideas of like covenant discipleship groups or small group accountability pieces. Uh, and that's something that a whole lot of different faith traditions do. Um, and honestly, is, is really pretty awesome when you can get together right. with a small group of people that you trust. Um, 
and talk about faith challenges and what you're doing to try to stay in touch with God and to be a good Christian and, and do those sorts of pieces. So four things um, that really sort of form a circle. If I had the ability to, and the budget, uh, however you would do it in Facebook Live or on an audio podcast to draw a circle around the screen. Uh, these four <laughs> behaviors, you can arrange into a circular pattern and they really sort of continue to inform and transform what you do uh, as a part of your faith life. The first of those things is to live out Christ's teachings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as a Christian, as a disciple, uh, in theory, you should be looking for opportunities every day uh, to live out those things that Christ asked us to do. Um, yeah. So, Show, show mercy, um, love God, love neighbors, reach out to those on the margins, yeah. uh, be kind, be generous, be giving. Um, and then the, the other thing, the, the second thing in there is this, this a, a very Wesleyan idea, yeah. right? The, this idea of learning in relationships. Wesley one time said that he knows of no other um, uh, holiness, but social holiness. And he wasn't meaning social justice, though he believed in that too. Mm -hmm. He was meaning the way that we grow closer to God in relationship. He didn't, he was saying that you can't do it really by yourself, right? You've got to be in relationship with other people who are also trying to grow closer to God, who are also being disciples. Yep, exactly. And so you learn in connection with other people. So being a part of a group, um, and if COVID has taught us anything, that group can be in-person or virtual. Right. Um, as long as you're kind of regular there with each other, you can really make some connections and learn because of what you uh, hear and experience from other people and with other people. Mm -hmm. um, as you learn in relationship, you end up experiencing God through your actions, right? Yeah. If you're doing things that we might call spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, but these are the things that you're doing on purpose to sort of maintain and grow your relationship with God you are going to end up experiencing God through those actions. And so you have the opportunity to sit with that with yourself. You have the opportunity to experience that with other people because you are in relationships with those. And then um, once you have those experiences, it feeds into the fourth uh, kind of action in this circular pattern. Right. Which is witness to the differences seen because of these experiences. And that's so helpful that, you know, it's, it's so important. That's part of why the relationship, uh, uh, relational discipleship is so powerful because all of a sudden you discover things about God through somebody else's experience that you never would have discovered on your own because of the way that they engage and act and interact. Um, that's uh, a huge part of what it means to be uh, a disciple, but it's also uh, the difference that you see as you and your perspective begins to change. I'm also going to lift up that that's probably the scariest one for the majority of people. Right. Um, that when you have to sit down and talk about what you've experienced and maybe mm -hmm. how you're changing or how you're growing because of your experiences or writing those down or whatever, yeah. there's something in that process that, that makes it a little bit more tangible and a little bit more real, right? Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. it goes from just being a thought up here in your prefrontal cortex, right. um, as we noted in speaking adolescent crash course, right? Which was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, but when you go through the process of verbalizing it, um, yeah. putting it down on paper and doing that piece of being a witness and sharing, hey, this was my experience and this is how I'm starting to see myself and the world a little bit differently mm -hmm. because of God's perspective on things. 
can be challenging and can be scary, but also can be really, really meaningful. And yeah. then once you've done that, that witnessing, it inspires you to go out and live those teachings and those new beliefs. And then that cycle starts itself all the way over again, right? Right. Um, so that pattern of living, lear- uh, learning in relationship with others, having experiences, and then taking time to process and witness those experiences mm-hmm. um, really sets you up for a lifetime of discipleship. And when you're planning youth ministry activities, it may not be super obvious that you're building this into the activities um, or the, yeah. the plans that you've got on Sunday nights or Wednesdays or whenever. Um, but honestly, if you break down the way that you create a lesson plan or, or a discussion or any kind of game and activity, you're always going to have an activity. You're always going to have a processing time. And then right. you always want people to be able to reflect on what meaning they took out of what they read or what they heard or what they did. Mm-hmm. And then that inspires the next time around. So it, right. it allows a youth worker to really build in a lot of intentionality behind yeah. the scenes for everything that I create, which I really love about this pattern as well. Yeah. So powerful, man. Thank you, Chris, for, uh, for all of that this week. I think it's been really great. And, um, you know, we will be back again next week with more exciting youth ministry adventures and training. So uh, we hope that you will show up next week, but uh, you can also uh, find these crash courses on youth ministry at umcyoungpeople.org. You can. It's very true. They're all available for free download. Um, we also end up releasing these Facebook Live uh, Youth Worker Recharges as podcasts yes. uh, a month or two afterwards, just because people have to work their editing magic. But you can always uh, catch up on recordings for the Youth Worker Recharge uh, at our Young People's Ministries website, umcyoungpeople.org as well. Uh, Jeremy, thank you. And yeah. I hope that as you march towards the end of the academic school year, that uh, you and your kids and every student that you're in touch with uh, has a great end to their school year. Yeah. All right. See you next week. See you next week.